Welcome everybody to a new class, or maybe we could call it a, a new season. We'll call it season two, huh? Seems like that's what all the cool hipster people are doing these days with podcasts, so why not? I am really looking forward to this study this year, and it'll actually be this semester, and interacting a little bit more with you guys. So I, from what I've heard, a lot of you guys have really liked the podcast version of this class, and I get it. I mean, there's a, a user-friendliness to being able to do this while you're driving to school or washing dishes at home or whatever. Maybe you're out on a walk with the dog. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, this, this class, and this study. Uh, so I'm going to call it Joshua and the Conquest. And my desire here is that we, uh, I'll just give you the objectives here. I, I want to explain some key theological points made by the author by looking at the events in Joshua 1 through 12. I'm stopping there because of my second objective. Uh, I want to explain interpretive approaches made by biblical authors today regarding the conquest of Canaan and specifically the command to devote the Canaanites to destruction. So I confess that there's a, not just a personal, but a professional interest in diving in here. This is a part of my senior curriculum I've wanted to develop more and this is giving me a great excuse and opportunity to do that. So I get to kill a couple birds with one stone, which is awesome. But I have kind of a third objective. So yeah, I want you to know Joshua 1 through 12, <clears throat> starting in chapter 13, they start to divide up the land. So what's, what's going on in Joshua shifts. Um, and I, I want you to understand the interpretive approaches that scholars have today with all of this, but there's a third objective and that's more of an apologetic objective. Um, I, I get these questions quite a bit in class, but I anticipate some of you are going to encounter some of these questions as well. Why did God tell Israel to kill all these Canaanites? So I am very aware of one, the significance of this topic and this question, and also that scholars are divided and they find this question to be challenging. So I, I think I feel like we should pray as we jump into all of this. So let me do that real quick. God, I pray that you would give us humility as we sort through some really difficult stuff. And we, we might not get at what the author intended and what you intended with what is written in Joshua 1 through 12, but help us and guide us by your spirit. And all along the way, help us to get out of the way of this. We all have ideas that we bring to this topic. 
and finally help us to have good conversations with people about all of this. Um, I pray that this course could be a resource for teachers who are listening, that it could help them not only sort through their ideas about this, but also how they can talk to students about topics like this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What I thought I would do to start with is just look at some passages that I want to highlight um, throughout our study. And so let's let's take a look at, at some of these. So I'm going to read just various various passages from the book of Joshua. So in Joshua chapter 2, verse 10, we have um, um, Rahab saying here in verse 10, Joshua 2, verse 10, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Okay, so there's that term. And then Joshua 6. Let's look at Joshua 6, uh, 17 through 21. Joshua 6, 17 through 21. There we go. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. And only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are within her house shall live. But the Lord says, but keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Um, all the silver, the gold, and it, it says in verse 21, then Israel devoted all the city to destruction. Now listen to the language. Both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. That's Joshua 6, 21. Read a few more here for you guys. Joshua 8, 26. And we'll encounter these as we go through our study. But Joshua 8, 26 says, But Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. So all the inhabitants of Ai were devoted to destruction, we read. Now Joshua 10, verse 28. I'm really trying to be intentional about reading all the references. So Joshua 10, verse 28, as for Makeda, Makeda, Joshua captured it, Makeda, Makeda, mm -hmm. Joshua captured it on that day and he struck it and it's king with the edge of the sword. He devoted to destruction every person in it. He left none remaining and he did to the king of Makeda, yeah, I'm going to go with Makeda, just as he had done to the king of Jericho. 
couple more here. You still with me? Joshua 11, verse 11. I think it's important to see that this isn't just something that pops up once. Joshua 11, verse 11. And it says um, that at Hazor, they struck with the sword all who were in it, devoting them to destruction. There was none left that breathed. And he burned Hazor with fire. And all the cities of those kings and all their kings, Joshua captured and struck them with the edge of the sword, devoting them to destruction. Um, yeah, later. But every person they struck with the edge of the sword until they destroyed them and they did not leave any who breathed. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua. And Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. That'll be important later. One more. Joshua 11, 20 through 21. For it was the Lord's doing to harden the hearts of the Hivites, that they should come against Israel in battle, in order that they should be devoted to destruction and should receive no mercy but be destroyed, just as the Lord commanded Moses. So here the language is God hardened the hearts of the Hivites, and they end up being devoted to destruction. Now let me throw one um, interesting wrinkle into the mix here, if this isn't I mean, I don't know if interesting is the right word. This is really intense stuff. But check out Joshua chapter 7, verse 12. Joshua 7, verse 12. And I'm going to ask you, what is different about this verse compared to all the other ones that I've read? So here we go. Joshua 7, verse 12. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies they turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted to destruction. It is Israel, right, that now has become devoted to destruction. All the other nations mentioned were devoted to destruction. We mentioned the Amorites and the Hivites and Ai and Jericho. But now in Joshua 7, it's Israel that's become devoted to destruction. So that is something that we need to remember and hold on to. We'll, we'll come back to that. So uh, very famously, Richard Dawkins in his book, The God Delusion, starts, I think it's actually chapter 2, uh, he starts with a very disturbing analysis of passages like this. So I'm just going to let Dawkins say it. So he's going to read from his book here. So I'm going to let you guys listen to what Dawkins says. And, and again, it it is disturbing um, how he views the God of the Old Testament in light of some of these verses. So listen to this. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. J. 
jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Now, it's super intense that he says all of that, and then I don't know if it's maybe as disturbing the fact that people are clapping, and so clearly Dawkins is in a room filled with atheists who are receptive to his analysis of these verses. Um, another individual whose name is, uh, give me a second, Dan Barker, who has a Freedom From Religion uh, YouTube um, show, um, has written a book forwarded with a forward by Dawkins that um, is called The Most Unpleasant Character in All of Fiction. And notice where Barker's going to go with some of these verses similar to what I've read to you guys. So uh, let, let's look at some of those. For example, if we wanted to click on um, ethnic cleanser, for example, um, you, you will find a verse like this. You shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land, for I have given you the land to possess. There's another verse in there that says, go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. That's in 1 Samuel. There's a whole lot more verses where God of the Bible is commanding, committing, or condoning total genocide of a whole group of people. Because he had promised his, his lover, the Israelites, that he called, her, he called them a wife and he was their husband. Uh, this little love nest where they could live with him forever and not be threatened by other religions. And so they had to go in and totally wipe out all the Canaanites. Uh, another example is genocidal. Uh, one of the words that Dawkins used. A uh, verse in Deuteronomy that says, You must not let anything that breathes remain alive. You shall annihilate them. Another verse in Deuteronomy says, uh, and they, they obeyed orders, and the Lord our God delivered him before us. And we took all the cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men and the women and the little ones of every city, and we left none to remain. So there's all these examples of total genocide wiping out a whole group of people because they were the wrong religion. And of course, the flood, Noah's flood was the biggest example of genocide. And who knows how many people, if the story were true, it's not a true story, but if the story were true, that would have happened at a time on our planet when there were roughly 20 million people. And so think of that. One flood killed 20 million yeah. people, men, women, children, pregnant women, which, which is basically a kind of aborticide. Uh, and even the cats and the butterflies and every living thing. is so, every living thing. So the God of the Bible is definitely genocidal. How do you... And here's the key. L listen to what he says right here. Where genocide with... God is love. Yeah, yeah. So we just keep going through, and then. Uh... So there's the, the the tension and the issue for a lot of people, and I get it. It's understandable 
And so what I, what I want to acknowledge in this class is that when somebody makes observations like that, when Dawkins is making his observations, or when this guy, Dan Barker, is reading these passages and making his observations, he is doing the process of interpretation. And I've mentioned this to you guys before, but everybody is an interpreter. We all interpret. And when we're interpreting, we're bringing all of our presuppositions, all of our modern ideas and approaches, um, even to reading the Bible. And you, you've heard me say it before, that we should not read the Bible literally, but we should read it literarily. And remember, I'm, I'm always trying to say, I should think about what is this literature? What is the book of Joshua doing? What does the author intend? And how does that fit within this larger story of redemption from Genesis to Revelation? So I want to spend a good amount of time talking about those ideas as we jump into this and, and process it. So the reality of interpreting is important. But again, I'm going to talk about five different interpretations that scholars have of this, which suggests that this is a challenging topic to process. One other thing before I just give some basic info about the class is I think it is just really good to acknowledge that attempting to judge God's actions from a human standpoint is instantly problematic, <laughs> it, right? So for Dawkins and for Barker, they're judging a God that they don't think exists, and I get that. But even if they were to hypothetically think of a God existing, and if this God really is good and perfect, then is it, is it possible for us to judge his actions? Should we be careful about that from our perspective and his perspective? And I know I'm talking to you guys, and you would say amen to that. And so I think it's really important that as we jump into this, we just have that, that mentality. And I think that posture of, of humility is important in general in just reading the Bible. And so I would commend that to you guys as we jump into this. So how do we deal with those, those passages? What is going on when God commands Israel to devote the Canaanites to destruction? And Dawkins' charge is that God is genocidal. And uh, I, I would wholeheartedly disagree from what I see in Scripture. And we'll, we'll see where you guys are at, not in terms of the claim that is God genocidal. I know you guys don't think he is. But how do you handle these passages? What do you do with these? And if a student are to bring these up, were to bring these up, what would you say? A few, a few uh, tidbits. We're wrapping up here, coming up on 20 minutes. So just a couple things real fast about the nature of this course. So I'm, I'm going to keep this uh, podcast kind of approach. And we'll dive into the book of Joshua for the first half of this class, Joshua 1 through 12. And then I want to start looking at those approaches to how to interpret the command that God gave 
the Israelites to devote the Canaanites to destruction. And, and during that time, guys, I'm going to ask for your involvement because I'm going to present a view and I'm going to ask for you guys to make comments and questions about it on Google Classroom. And then I'll interact with those. So hopefully that will be an interesting way to have you guys share and get involved in the class. Just a quick reminder that when you listen to a podcast, make sure you plug it in the attendance Google Sheet. And this course is going to be for one Bible CEU for the fall. So I'm looking forward to interacting with you guys and hearing what you say, learning from you guys. And I'm, I'm excited to share some insights that, that I'll gain over the course of this study. And, and hopefully through this, um, God can use it to help us understand and know him better and to help our students in that way too. See you next time, guys.